Hello, everyone. It's time once again for Catalog and Cocktails, presented by Data.World. It's your honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management with delicious, tasty beverages in hand. I'm Tim Gasper, longtime data nerd, product guy, customer guy at Data.World, joined by co-host Juan Cicada. Hey, Tim. I'm Juan Cicada, principal scientist at Data.World, and as always, it's a pleasure. Wednesday, middle of the week, uh, towards the end of your day, and here we are to just spend some time and chat about data and chat about all the good things, but also, hey, sometimes things suck. And I think we're going to talk a lot about that. <laughs> and I'm super excited to chat today with Eva Nahari, who is a principal at DNX Ventures. Just a quick note, we started chatting with Eva last year and it was like, well, let's, let's see what's going to happen this new year. And uh, we haven't chatted Eva in a couple months. So this is going to be a big boom. I'm really excited to hear we're learn some things. So much what's going on in your mind. Eva, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. It's Wednesday. It's Valentine's Day. It is. Who wouldn't be excited about that? Happy Valentine's Day to everyone watching. This is the special Valentine's Day episode. <laughs> We're going to talk about how things suck, but okay. <laughs> yeah. or, or not. I don't know. <laughs> and so what are we drinking and what are we toasting for today? Uh, I'm, I'm drinking hot water. It's my new religion. You know, I love it. It, um riffing we were joking before we started here it's the it's the beer without the <laughs> without the full fulling feeling um so i'm drinking hot water and i'm i think i'm gonna toast to like since it's valentine's day and since most things are still kind of gloomy in the world i would like to toast to more love and compassion so there you go Love and compassion. Definitely cheers to that. Tim, what are you what are you uh, drinking today? Today I am drinking uh, a, a cocktail that I've had various permutations of on this show, an old fashioned, but I have a new permutation of it, which is a root beer old fashioned. It's a root beer simple syrup made from root beer and a little added sugar and a few other things. Uh, and then you make an old fashioned with it. It's very interesting. It just has that like that root beer kind of taste to it. It's cool. How many how much bitters do you need to put in to actually get a root beer? Uh, well, well, it's literally uh, the syrup is root beer based, and oh, then, it's, it's bitters. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and then and then I do add a little bit of orange bitters to it. Okay. I gotta find that one. I'm actually having just a uh, very normal but really delicious, refreshing uh, rum tonic. It has uh, with some orange bitters and, and lime. Let me enjoy this. And cheers to love and compassion. To love Happy and compassion. everybody. <laughs> hmm. All right. So our, our warm-up question today is, what do you suck at? <laughs> um, I think I suck at being patient around efficient, like inefficiencies. Like I'm, I'm very Swedish in a way. You know, you should be efficient in what you do. You shouldn't waste time. I don't know if you know this about Swedish culture, but um, when I first came here to the U.S. Uh, in the mid-2000s, um, I was so annoyed people using my name everywhere. It's not something common in Swedish culture to like, hey, Eva, Eva, what do you think about this? Eva, by the way, you know, and I got annoyed. And then I started thinking, what in Swedish culture what on earth going on here? And I think it's an efficiency thing. Like, I, you know, I'm, I'm here. Like, don't use my name. You don't have to call my attention. I'm, I'm right here. And that kind of encapsulates a lot of the efficiencies in my core. I think that goes into work, into family planning, like organizing family weekends. You know, when things <laughs> are not as efficient, I get very irritated. So I suck at managing that. I think yeah, that's so interesting. You know, I think there's there's that book, right? How to influence friends. Uh, <laughs> and, and in that book, like one of the first chapters is like use people's <laughs> name. And so I think Americans like really take that to heart. They're like, yeah. oh, Juan, Juan, Eva, Eva, Eva. Right. So everyone's always trying to use your name. Right. Don't. But like I can imagine other cultures are probably like, why are you doing that? <laughs> yeah. It feels so personal. Like, what do you what do you want from me? Why are you in my personal space? We're just coworkers. It was a very hard adjustment in the beginning. But uh, yeah, I read that book and I realized it's written by a, a old white male from America. <laughs> Essential <laughs> industrial complex American, right? Yes. 
but you know <laughs> it works i i used it i took like a a rule from that book every week and implemented it to see if it worked and it worked i mean it yeah. is a american bible it is some good <laughs> good uh, advice on interpersonal relationship but yes. definitely a biased perspective <laughs> what about you juan what, what do you suck at uh, so i was thinking i'm gonna go down sports i've never been good at sports there was one sport i was good at and i enjoyed which was playing tennis but then I did a sport that I sucked at, which was snowboarding. And I, I mean, I skied when I was a kid, but didn't do that much. And then I went snowboarding. And then I think on day three, I just broke my ankle. And then I never could play tennis again. So the only sport I was kind of pretty good at that I enjoyed, I can't even do it at all other sports I suck at. So it's kind of sad, depressing. Pathetic. Can I ask Sorry a question? Yeah. Are you good at chess? No. Okay. Well, I mean, I never got into it. I mean, no, the rules I ever played, not so like. If I were to play chess right now, I would. I was going to ask you if, if you count that as a sport. <laughs> but no. Okay. Well, that's a good this is another good question. Like, what is a sport? Exactly. Go yeah. to the question behind the question. Yeah. It goes into the, now we get into the philosophy of things. Right? One of the things I love to do when we talk about like knowledge, like what is soup? Have you seen that YouTube uh, uh, video on what is soup? No. Oh, after this, you have to go watch what is soup. Okay. Just or anybody listening, just look up our YouTube. Uh, not right now, but if you're watching live, not right now. <laughs> in an hour. <laughs> yeah, in an hour. What is soup? Nah. It's like also like what is a sandwich? I've had that conversation yeah, many times. So what is sports? Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I know. All right, okay. All right, uh, Tim, you go. <laughs> what do you suck at? <laughs> uh, I'm sucky with um, being efficient. No, just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sucky. This actually kind of is a little bit of an inefficiency. So, uh, pardon me. Um, I'm sucky with being on time to things. Mm -hmm. Those who, who work with me and know me, like I'm, I'm, I'm not good at like being on time for my meetings and things. So I have to work very hard at it. Work very hard, but I'm trying. I think I'm getting better. <laughs> well, uh, we have inefficiency, uh, sports, and and on time. So. I don't know where that would take us. But anyway, let's let's take it off. Let's kick it off. With let's our... take it back to data, Hava. Okay. Yeah. Uh, honest, no BS. Are we really in a sucky year when it comes to like startups and investments and data and all this stuff right now? Um, You met me at a very tired point last year. You know, November, December, we started talking about maybe doing something like this. And I said, well, I have, I have no light in the end of the tunnel. And... Uh, to be honest, I think the spring is coming to California, so I've gotten some sunshine, but that's about the only light that I see. I I don't know. Maybe I'm still, you know, it's it's mid-February, so I feel a little bit more, you know, energy is coming back, and I'll explain what I mean by that, but uh, I'm still cautious, very cautious that uh, valuations or the ease of fundraising or, you know, finding a, a golden nugget in all this noise is, is gonna happen in the next two quarters, at least. I could pretend to be hopeful about Q3 for all the fundraising startups, uh, entrepreneurs out there. That's like a few signals are telling, uh, you know, Q3 is the quarter things will start turn around. And I have some data points to to back up that statement other than reputation on the street. Uh, for instance, you know, I've seen uh, my friends in the enterprise uh, uh, budget decisions and kind of sitting on high chairs. Uh, they've started to open up their wallets, uh, but it could be like it's budget planning time and we'll see what they actually spend because everybody's kind of cautious still. It's like when you twisted an ankle and now the cast is off and you're still like super sensitive walking on it because you don't want to do it again. I think that's where we are at. And Q3 might bring hope. But then I have the counter contradictory opinion of that, that it's election year, right? So in my 20 years of working with enterprises and product and, and sales, you know, election year, everybody holds holds their breath until after the election because then they know what to do <laughs> then they kind of can bet on what regulations are going to actually come down the pipe and what's going to happen if it's going to be a 
confusing year or not. You know, it's I don't know if it's a tough year to make big bets when you're when you're like, huh, I wonder I wonder what's going to happen. Yeah, it's cautiously not so sucky. (laughs) That's my my prognosis. This is kind of a weird time, right, with. I mean, I think, uh, you know, what, a year and a half ago or so, folks mm-hmm. were really sounding the alarm. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we seemingly have achieved the soft landing, quote unquote. But what, what is this? This is the only time in the history of sort of these economic situations where we've had a soft landing. Like usually there's always been some kind of a recession. So I don't but folks don't really know how to react to this right now. I agree. It's been that's been the vacuum situation it's both strong signals that there's a bullish market and a bear bear market i mean it's what is it everybody has been confused and and in economic and you know uh investing and betting land it's not good to be confused you you rather wait Mm. and see what others are doing or where things are heading. It's also adding to the mix, you know, the macroeconomical events that, you know, very tragic, um, you know, Ukraine and Israel. I don't want to go down that talking track, but, you know, it's it has this gloomy aftermath on the entire Europe economy, entire U.S. economy. At the same time, we have this AI hype that brings promise and endless of efficiency to the world. You know, it's it's so many concurrent things that are confusing and big and like happening at the same time. And in the middle of it, you know, the aftermath of, of Silicon Valley Bank um, incident, you know, they're doing fine now and and. I'm doing business with them. There's no no aftermath to be handled at the moment. But when it happened, it, it kind of like caused a stir that we definitely didn't need. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so many major events happening in the same short amount of time that has added to the confusion. And if you're in my chair, you know, as a VC early startup, confusion is not what you want. So, so to, you brought up the, the magic word here, which is the, the, the AI, mm-hmm. like that is, it's a confusion because everybody's like, Hey, what is this? And how much should I actually go do something about it? And am I, should I do little or should I do more because I'll be behind and, and, but it's also an opportunity. Like, so what is your message right now? Let's, I'd like to kind of dive into this. What is your message right now to enterprise folks who are looking when it comes to like, given this current situation and what are the opportunities, what are the possible risks you should be taking? What is your message then also to, to startup founders who may be listening here saying, this is what you should, like, what should we be doing and so forth. So kind of, those are the two things that go into my mind listening to this. What yeah. Kind of I have so much to share. I don't know where to start. Like enterprises are, as I said, they've been holding their breath. So they close their wallets. They do, you know, a little bit reset and clean up and you know you've seen mass layoffs and you've seen the reduced in, in number of acquisition you you've seen like not as much enterprise deal close for growth startups etc cetera, etc cetera. so like the hesitation is within enterprise economically like macroeconomically and locally in the US right um that has an effect on startups, <laughs> their growth are not happening as fast because they can't. I mean, the ones focusing on SFB might be in a different situation, but you know, the ones who go after the big transformative um, ideas, they they've been struggling with growth, right? And that happened alongside an, a year of overvaluation. You know, twenty twenty one, the hangover of that. So you have startups with high valuations and not so hungry enterprises as customers. It's a very tricky situation. And I think AI came in the middle of that, like the contributed to the high valuations, sure. But um, the high the, the high valuations also was because there was so much dry powder and so many IPOs and so many unicorns. Like 
uh, VCs need to continuously invest and spend. Otherwise, it's going to hurt them later on, right? That's how the whole VC fund model works. But AI hype, a lot of dry powder, it, it got extreme. And now startups are in the very tricky boat of navigating not such a hungry market in general, but also the confusion around generative AI. And now I'm going to double click on that. You know, um, I've been in machine learning since the last millennial. <laughs> so to me, this isn't entirely new. Uh, the first, uh, I think the first um, generative AI uh, papers were published somewhere like 2012. <laughs> and then the, the Google Transformer paper that, you know, the whole chat GPT is based on um, was published in 2017, I think. So it's it's just like the research that I, I'm like into, to me, this is not new. I've given lectures on word to vac and like the RAG precedence. I, I don't know. Like I'm not as excited personally. Uh, it's just a natural evolution uh, of a long, long journey of machine learning. It's actually not should be called AI at all, in my opinion. But um, when the paper came out, you know, I have my opinions about what companies are good on go to market with enterprises and who are better with, you know, serving engineers. I'm not going to name names. Uh, the people who know, know. But, you know, the, the intelligent move here was to take innovation and go to market with it. You know, innovation is nothing if you don't know how to go to market with it. And uh, I have this analogy with um, Edison. You know, everybody thinks he invented the light, like the light bulb or the electricity lights, you know. And uh, there were many versions before that that was like in a lab with experts and it was dangerous to light it up and everything. But then Edison came and like, okay, this can be democratized. It can be put in homes, in offices, in workspaces, in, in stores. I just need to make it safe to use, right? So he, he inv invented the electricity light bulb system that cheaper to produce light bulb, the switch on the wall, and suddenly people could use it. And then the magic was for everyone. And I, I, I see that happened a little bit around open AI. And I, I don't try to minimize the research and the eminent team trying to democratize AI. But that's actually their original mission is to democratize what they saw, right? It's like we want to democratize AI and bring it safe to the world. So I, I think like Edison is a perfect analogy for what OpenAI started out as. Yeah. Then there was a very smart go-to-market company who came in with major investments and saw the opportunity to like tie it into business and the rest is history. But I think what, what OpenAI managed to do with that partnership, go-to-market partnership, is to bring it this, what used to be in a lab and understood by experts, like, oh, this is really cool technology. Bring it to market is what revolutionized the world. So enterprises may see it as like, oh, it's new, risky, you can't trust it. Yeah, the general models might hallucinate a lot. It's getting better. But the technology is actually decades old, right? You, you can take the white papers, implement certain parts yourself. You can take open source models and train it over your own data so you know what went into it. It is safe to do generative AI, but I think why enterprises are so hesitant is because it's so new to them and the general models might come with some risks. Right. No, I think this is an awesome perspective on <clears throat> kind of how, despite how exciting this is, also how organic and just you know incremental this is at the same time and and to that degree you know where where do you feel like the hype is warranted versus where do you feel like the hope is excessive <laughs> very good question let me think i think 
I think I have two answers. Let's see where it goes. I feel it's not so structured. <laughs> but um, this podcast is about raw, just what's on top of my mind. Right? No BS. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so bear with me. Um, the first answer would be from from an efficiency perspective, not surprising. Uh, I think there's no question about how tremendously helpful generative AI tools um, or applications, I should say, are for the individual. So like a marketing person, I, I use BARD and ChatGPT on a weekly basis, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm not, as an individual, Right. I want every look, day. Yeah. And and of course I double check, triple check, and go to the source of things, but I use it for the right use cases. It's not like I share my sensitive data. I ask questions about like, okay, can you can you find me the top three, blah, blah, blah. And then when they do that, I go and look at it. And you know, it it's just like not sensitive use cases. And then sometimes it's like, okay. Here's a long text. Can you <laughs> summarize and give me the top three bullet points? Um, efficiency, right? For the individual, no matter what work pos position. I know CEOs who use it. I know marketing people, sales engineers. You know, it, it's just incredible what it can do for one person in a role on a daily or weekly basis. Now, from an enterprise perspective of like automated workflows and and tooling you know let's let's come up with a better claims uh or like a insurance proposal i'm not sure you know then it becomes a little bit like you want a human mind involved to make sure it doesn't affect your customer or your your reputation or your trustworthiness i mean there are use cases and use cases so generative ai is tremendously, tremendously valuable for content and non-sensitive use cases. I think, hands down, the hype is, uh, what's the right word? Like, in its right. Like, it's a tremendous efficiency revolution, okay? That happened almost overnight. But, but everybody but, can use it. But, on the, sorry, on, on the individuals, yeah. sorry, which I fully agree, but those individuals also working within the enterprise, it's, I mean, yeah, it is then it, by transitivity helping the enterprise too, because yeah. they're, they're being more efficient in their job. Yes. And that leads me to the other bucket, you know, as a startup, I would probably not go into the end consumer. I like, let's, it's almost like I compare it to a consumer facing business, like mm -hmm. what OpenAI did with ChatGPT and Google did with Bard and others, you know? It's almost like a consumer business. I don't, I don't want to touch that. That's great. It's efficient, but as a startup, I would not, I would not go into that space. It's, it's moving very fast. There's already like an app store. Think almost like OpenAI is the iOS, and then they opened the app store. Like, yeah, you can. It's it's the world. If you're if you're an entrepreneur, yeah, go go build an app. And it's going to be the app race all over again that we all already know if we lived through the mobile era, right? So there's going to be millionaires there, but there's going to be like a new kid on the block every day. And it's going to be up to the marketplace search engine to highlight you. And it's it's the Apple model. Yeah. That's so fine. There's always new apps. Yeah. So and that doesn't more. excite me as much as like, okay, the other bucket. For enterprises, let's say you want to simulate different scenarios for uh, machinery or for a logistics route, or like where I see generative AI could help so much because humans can only come up with that many ideas within an hour or within a day or within a week. And generative AI can support and extend what humans can do in like ideation, in finding like taking something and transform it into something else. Like here's a blueprint. How do we make it more like uh, environment friendly? Here's a, um, here's a, you know, surgery plan. <laughs> God, don't do this. But like, here's a surgery plan. 
how can we make it less risky? You know, if you have something and you've trained a generative model on real data that no one else has access to, that is super unique in 10 years, you know, and super safe, and you have a smart team, I'm super interested in what can happen in that bucket. But that's what enterprises are a bit afraid of too. And I think if I were an entrepreneur, I would be a high risk taker and like generative AI can transform more than for the end user. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? So let me let me let me repeat this. Good luck. as we take our notes here. Okay, so what is warranted as a hype? From you see, there's it's more on the individual side. It's like yes, yeah. it's making us more efficient. I can do these little tests and so yep. forth. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like how you said it. Use it for the right non-sensitive use cases. Yep. Uh, always triple check things, right? I mean, yep. so there's like the obvious things you should go do. Yeah. And that's great for us. And then even, and, and, and if you are within your own job, like that's by transitivity, that's, you're also applying that efficiency to the organization, but yep. it's really focused for the individual. Yes. Now, right. So that, that hype is definitely warranted. Now, yes. should there be startups and new companies coming around to play in that efficiency game? You're saying, nah, because it's too small. I mean, this is going to be like the app store all over again, right? Yeah. There will be the 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 the, the small development uh, uh, companies, right? The the consultancy things that they'll be doing, like like, like they're doing before these app apps app. app they're writing the apps, but yeah, they'll have a small consultancy team making millions of dollars because they created this cool thing and that's it. But there's like, am I going to invest millions of dollars to go create a startup to go do that? Like not worth it right there. So that's exactly I like now for the end from the enterprise perspective, you're saying like, Oh, if you really use generative AI to do something transformational yes, and you're the transformational idea that you're, but one of the things that you brought up here is like ideation, for example, right? If you, you're going to use generate generative AI, either, you're going to bring in and train your own model, whatever, focused on your organization. And it's going to help you be more, more ideas that can help you kind of come up with new things and so forth. How can I make this thing more X or less Y and so forth? Mm -hmm. That can really transform your business. Exactly. The issue here is people are, don't, are, are not taking that risk. And they're like, you're, so basically it's like, I'm putting myself in your shoes. It's like, wait, if some company says I can really transform this industry yeah. They've been doing things this status quo way, and we can really transform it to do this new thing where the efficiency, all, all this, this transformation is going to be gigantic. Like, wow, if we really accomplish that, that would be huge. Now, the, the real struggle that we have is getting the enterprise to really uh, play in that uh, transformational uh, game. And getting the data to do that because the enterprise Whoa. sits on it. So here we come into the conundrum which is like to do those generative models, you need you need that kind of workflow data, you need access and only the enterprises that's been around for like 10 years, I'm exaggerating to make a point, but you get it like industrial companies, um, like Deloitte audit, you know, or, or manufacturing blueprints, like who sits on five years of that data and knows the workflow in and out, it's the enterprises and they're not innovating as fast and it used to be that a startup could come and innovate and you know serve the enterprise accelerate the enterprise business and then acquisition or ipo you know but because this is tied to data and now we're getting to the gist of why we're talking at all because you're data guys startups don't have access to that data what startups have access to is general data and that is not viable competitive long-term mode like open eye then you're serving the end user or your app uh, app entrepreneur which can make millions but it's not you know what vcs like me would be excited about so it's like i want the the enterprise sensitive data to partner with startup entrepreneurs somehow for this other bucket to really happen and i don't know how to make that happen i see so much value that's the transformation I see with generative AI, and I can't help it. That's fascinating. Yeah. This is a really great perspective because I, I don't think it's something that gets talked about enough. Well, and... maybe I'm wrong. Well, <laughs> maybe I... I'm the only person who thinks this way. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I, I think your mm -hmm. analogy around 
iOS and the mobile explosion that happened, you know, uh, 10 years ago, let's call it right. Although it's still happening now, but it was hype, you know, 10 years ago, right? Like there, there weren't that many billionaires that came out of like the mobile explosion. Right. But there were a lot of millionaires that came out of the mobile explosion. I'm trying to think of a few though, to, to not put them down, you know, (laughs) there was Instagram and things like that. Right. But, but for all the Instagrams, there were way more, you know, scan pro, you know, whatever that, you know, helps you make your documents get scanned and stuff like that. Right. (laughs) But Um, Tim, let me ask how many apps do you have on your phone? I have probably 200 or 300, maybe more than that. I mean, I've had a phone for a long time. How much much do you pay for them? Well, I mean, you pay all of your data too. I have a lot of free apps, but I do have, I do pay for some apps. (laughs) Okay. Uh, One right now. (laughs) Sorry, I interrupted you, but you know. Oh no, you're good. (laughs) Well, anyways, you know, like that. There's a lot, you know. I think that analogy works out well. Um, but then, like, I, I think a question is, you know, if so, if you follow kind of what you're saying here, you know, who who has the advantage, right? Is the advantage in the favor of the enterprise who owns the data, who yep. needs to bring the brain to them? Yes. Or is the favor in the case of the startup or the or the or the technology company that wants to somehow broker data or maybe own, you know, has access yeah. to some unique data. You know, there's a lot of companies out there that have interesting data sets, right, that they sell or things like that. I'm curious about how you think about the power dynamics. Yeah then we come come to a parallel track. So first I want to answer what you said. Mm-hmm. I think the advantage is where the data is. Unless the startup can broker a partnership and get the data, but that's really hard because yeah. data is the core and IP and you know many enterprises is like that's our gold today. Data is gold. So we're not going to share it. Hence I I'm going to round up <laughs> to that the enterprise is on the advantage. And then there was one more thing, which is like the the startups are nimble. And that's what enterprises are not. But I don't know how they're going to solve that to actually innovate. But it, it draws to another parallel that, that ties into why this is a sucky year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, it has nothing to do with the year. It's a sucky situation right now. Because if the enterprises owns the advantage guess what happens if the enterprises innovate? The startup ecosystem will starve. And that's why I, as a VC, am a bit worried that there's too much innovation or like the platform for innovation is either by the giants or the enterprises right now, because I can't, I've seen so many pitches and it's all like not unique data. And then it's going to be commoditized by the big ones, right? That's just how I feel. Yeah. So, so, so basically you're saying that if you're seeing companies, startups saying, oh, we have this new model that uh, on this particular domain, whatever, it's like, yeah, that's good luck. It's if it's already, in the it's already, old, realm, it's already old, it's already old. It right? will be sucked up by the giants. So this enough. is a very fascinating point. You're saying enterprises, so I, if I got this right, enterprises have the advantage and it's because it's their data, so they have that advantage. Therefore, they will they're in the position to innovate. Now the question is, are they nimble enough? Will they be able to innovate or not? Now, enterprises who will innovate, and then the then from your perspective, is well, then startups are gonna go, they're gonna have in a situation where we starving because like all the innovations come from, from the large, the giants. And that's actually something new. I mean, usually innovation yeah. comes from the smaller folks. It's a right? whole new situation in in my entire three-year career of VC. <laughs> no, but seriously, I, I've talked to other VCs and they kind of feel this is new. There's a starvation. But remember, we're talking about generative AI. It's not like all startups are. Yeah. yeah. Is this hype? We started talking about is the hype um, rightfully a hype? I'm like, I'm confused. It's like it's starving the startup ecosystem right now, the way it's going. And of course, it's business and it's fair and good for the giants to take so much of the room here. And of course, they're going to be app millionaires. We can agree on that. But for VC startup transformative for enterprise, that's the that's the swim lane I'm in. It, it's kind of a very new situation. 
and should I should I focus on this big golden pot that I know is there if if it just happens what needs to happen the data partnerships or the nimbleness in there I mean all I can say is like I I've started collecting enterprises you know that I want to keep close and I I'm going to be some kind of matchmaker maybe I don't know mm -hmm. it's just very hard to see how this phenomenal technology that is mature uh, but you need to know what to do with it and and give it the universe it should control and that you can trust so how do you give entrepreneurs access to that data I don't so know. so so for the for let's see for the data leaders executives who are listening you know because for cdos and folks so we know who listen to the podcast call me <laughs> <laughs> So, but the, the, the message—the mess message—the message that I'm, the message I'm hearing here is that, look, there is this amazing opportunity right yes. now for yes. you to actually right be an innovator, which is not a common thing, mm -hmm. and um, but to really succeed in this innovation with this wave of AI, the foundation really is on data. You will be able to innovate because it's the only way we're actually going to provide value here is because it's based on the data that you have in your own. Therefore, you might like if you really want to go get on this innovation, like be a leader here, you need to have the strong foundation of your data. Because yeah. if you don't, then you're not going to be able to innovate. So, maybe so this is actually a call, a, a huge motivation saying, where is your your data strategy? Like, how are you actually putting this all together? Like, what, like so. That, that's kind of my, that's how I'm seeing things right now. If, like if I'm listening to like shit, like hopefully that this is, I'm getting that, I'm, I'm now being able to organize that message to my leadership to saying, look, we can innovate, we can be better than our competitors because, but this is, this can only happen if we are investing in the strong foundations of just the core principles of data and metadata management and all that stuff. Like that, that's, is that and if, you, if you're nimble enough, or if you partner with the number of startups to help you out, you know, it's, it's just like I don't know if if it's a I can do it all myself kind of strategy that will work. I think many ecosystems need to be facilitated, and I think I can help with that. But I also fear that in most companies, people don't know where their data is. <laughs> you know, it's in all these different silos. There are no standardized way of handling it. acquisitions, rapid growth. You know restructuring new new chief on the top of the hill you know everything every enterprise is messy and and their data is just like another reflection of that so i don't know if it's even possible to get to that conversation that you were suggesting which i want to happen right because they don't know where their data is or it's like such a mess how do you even do this in an enterprise. And I think that's the missing hand. Like I have two hands, but the third one is missing. <laughs> we need a, you, we, I mean, you need a catalog. <laughs> you need like, you need to solve these basic things. You I'm not to... selling your product. No, no, no. But I mean, this is, this I, is, I, mean, I do but... not get any, any percentage of no, this transaction. No, but, but I mean, I'm, I'm just, what you're saying is like, what, you have this opportunity to lead. You have this opportunity to innovate. Yes. You have this opportunity to beat your competitors, but it's only going to work if you have the foundation of data, which is going to start. The basic stuff is you even know what data you have. Where's the third hand? No, but you're, you summarize it well. Like it starts with the data. Enterprises are sitting on gold. They're in a mess. They're not nimble enough, but it, it's a very unique situation for enterprises to innovate. Now, I don't like that as this early stage startup VC. I need to find a way for startups to help these enterprises. Okay, so what's missing in the landscape for this? Um, I mean, I'll be honest, I'll be honest. I'll, I'll, I'll I honestly think there's no more, we don't need any more companies, more tech. I mean, this is, 
from a technology perspective, everything has been invented. No. Yeah, yeah, yes. Okay. Honestly, no, there is no need. I mean, every up to now, it's how do we deal with the situation? Is that you are able to have that aptitude to go say, I'm going to go innovate. I'm going to. There's a reason why I'm going to go focus on this. It's all just people, process, culture. There is so much technology out there that I argue like there's no more need for this stuff. Maybe yeah, how do we? How do companies want to go set up their own LLM and man, okay, maybe on this new space. But for the foundational data stuff, no, I I will call BS if we need another data type of company. I feel like I want to argue with you. Perfect. Let's go. Tim is being very quiet, so I don't know where his head's at. I'm just going to drink my cocktail. We need to grill Tim at the end of this. (laughs) Like, there's going to be a quiz, Tim. (laughs) Pay attention. (laughs) No, but uh, I think I want to argue with you. First is like, the wheel always gets reinvented. Yeah. So give it five, 10 years and there's a new kid on the block doing. Of course. And then, and it, but, but yeah. that's the problem that we're just doing the same shit over and over again. But it is like, I was in that view set, but it isn't the same. It's like, if you look at, oh, I, I lack an example now on top of my head, but uh, if you look at uh, data warehouse, right? It was on-prem, it was clunky. It was like oh. impossible needed experts. And then, uh, 10 years later, there's a cloud serviced version times 10, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's the same thing, but serving the use case and the change in the market of more volumes of data, more rapid pace, better, right? So it's, it's always better. And the best investment you can make is something that there's always already budget for. There's a purchase process. People know what it is. There are skills already there. But it's better. So think about it. I always I give this talk. <laughs> uh, there's not going to and I start out the talk giving a, 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 a just kind of a, a copy and paste of, of a, someone says, "Oh, this bank is trying to go innovate. Blah. They have these problems about integrating data because you don't have the shared identifiers." Blah blah. And I, I share this example, and people are reading it, and they're like, "Everybody's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly the problem I have. I copied and pasted this from a paper from 1992. Yeah, 30 freaking years. What have we like? Do not tell me that we have not been able to solve the problem. You can get as upset as you want about this." But if you use that same diagram and go and ask for investment, I bet you get funded too. The, but I, I, <laughs> it's just how it happens. We're not solving the problem. Like, this is, well, and this is, we're not solving the problem. So we're, I mean, people are making money. People yeah. are making money. Maybe but the to the problem is not being solved, and this is the thing that frustrates me all the time. This so is go, go build another it. startup there. No, no, more about change management. This is the whole people. This is well, may, maybe what, what what's interesting here is the innocent bystander in all of this. <laughs> yes, I get to just contemplate. Um, is is like Juan? What I hear you saying, and and Eva, what I hear you saying is that like, th- so the problems are the same. Like we, we still have the same problems, yes. right? We don't know what the data is. We don't have that. We don't capture the meaning in an effective way. The quality is a problem. Uh, the data is over there, but I really need it over there, right? And I wish I could query it faster, right? The problems are the same, but what changes is technology evolves, form factors evolve, uh, mediums evolve, right? And so, yeah, it was, you know, it's, you know, it was Informatica yesterday, it's five trend today, and there's going to be a new data integration thing tomorrow, right? And it's going to take advantage of the new trends. Maybe I'm watching it one. It was streaming, it was reporting, but you're effectively, it's all the same things. I mean, but, but Juan, I don't agree with you. Like, as I said, you know, the whole cloud migration happened, and it's not the same thing. It is the same thing, but with new requirements and new circumstances. And that's why I'm going to bring up the other challenge. Like when it comes to the data pipeline. So let me, let me start. So I just just want to pause. Depending on who you ask and what problems they're tackling, they will solve it's better. But if you zoom out and at the end of the day, we're trying to go make money and save money. And people are asking these questions about how many customers do I have? And I still can't answer that. That problem has not been solved. And even though internally, if we solve a bunch of technical problems, but the the, 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 the bigger one is still the same. And that's what frustrates me. But I, but, but, I, I want to give, give you a little hope from the, you know, Silicon Valley glasses always half full kind of perspective. 
every cycle of reinventing the wheel to save solve for the same macro problem comes with slight improvement like things have become better but the world has become more complex because now we're on our phones all the time and more data is generated everywhere i mean as as tim wisely as the observer and coming in with the key points here like uh there's there's like technology, not necessarily in the space you're in, but other technology transformation that shifts. And suddenly there is a need for a new cycle of the new kid on the block, you know, same stuff, but new. And I think that's a very good business to be in, both as a VC and an entrepreneur and, you know, enterprises know how to adopt it. And it's, it's known and how enterprises buy is like with least risk. What can I do that gives an incremental and significant improvement during my career stage in this title? Because big companies are more career people. Um, that is least risk for getting fired. You know, it, no one has been fired for buying IBM. Maybe that's not true anymore. But, you know, there's always like, okay, I need to do something in two years to show transformation to get to the next game level. And therefore, people want to buy the same things, right? That's just human nature. You, you are. I fully agree with that. I think it all goes always boils down to uh, the incentives, human incentives. But it's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad. It's like great because with every improvement, every new cycle, that's new stuff, new improvement, new careers, new people involved that can grow. It's it's business and it's good and healthy. I. I, and I, your heart is sad because my heart is sad. My heart is, <laughs> my heart is sad. I agree with you, but I'm sad with having to agree with you, and uh, and that comes from my just my academic scientific training. I I'm there with you. Like so my heart is it, sad. It, it's, it's as an academic. I'm sad that I have to, uh, that that's the, the status quo reality. Maybe that ties to your feelings too, Eva, in terms of efficiency. I, I see, Juan, that you're like, but but wait, but that there's a more efficient path, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, I think you, you can change you can change that sad heart to a Valentine's heart again. <laughs> and like, like see it as like, but that that is the never ending pain and glory of the entrepreneur to like try, try again. And if, if the wonderful thing of serial entrepreneurs is like, yeah, the last time we did it this way, now I'm going to try it this way. You know, it's, it's a beauty in that of learning and building on, on the past. I love that you read papers from the 1990s. You know, the mobile phone was actually in, you know, Graham Bell's lab hundred years ago. You know, it's not new, <laughs> but, but suddenly technology happens so you can realize it. Tell what I have over here. This is the proceedings of the first okay. international Ichkai. We needed a little bit academia in this. Right, so I do this. Actually, the funny thing is I'm reviewing papers okay. for Ichkai 2024 right now. So. <laughs> okay, there was there was a second bucket I was going to give. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. No, I'm trying to remember it. It's like reinventing the wheel. I think when I mentioned like uh, five training Informatica and pipelines, you you started to to go down a path. No, I no? said okay. I might be looking at one, and then I left it there. Oh, okay. <laughs> there. there you go. Intentionally cliffhanger. <laughs> uh, no, but I think you know I imagine them being an entrepreneur, coming up with something completely new, like my journey with Cloudera Hadoop was like turning the whole ETL to mm -hmm. something else. Like first bring the data, then do the like ELT, <laughs> BLT. <laughs> no, but um, it, it was an educational cell. It was an uphill and then they should change their whole organization to have this data team. And, you know, it was an organizational transformation because they needed new people. It was educational because the whole thinking that people have built their careers on was turned on the head. And once they realized that, they're like, this is amazing. How do I get better at that? How do I build a career around it? But it took like years to get budgets and, and, and understanding how to make the technology adopt, 
adoptable and survive because it needed organizational support and people trained on this. It's a heavy lifting, poor entrepreneurs. Like I was in the middle of that and I know the pains and the never ending struggle on like getting people to understand the ones who, who's done things a certain way for 20 years now should change. Uh, uh. So, you know, choose your battles. If you want a smooth path, you might not get to satisfy that academic heart, but you build a beautiful business that actually helps enterprises incrementally, or you go on the hard path of, yeah, oh my gosh, I have to create a market or I have to create a budget or I have to create a buyer. <laughs> oh my God, please don't do that to yourself. But that is also creation. transforms the world. So, you know, as a VC, I'm I'm open to either. Um I, I have to say about the the our back and forth where we disagree, but ended up agreeing, but uh, I agree with a sad heart, but it's Valentine's so we'll turn that into a, a nice part. I, this was I um I think this is one of the first times we've had some interesting disagreements on this podcast like this. Uh, so I, I appreciate having this discussion. Uh, uh, this is the honest, no BS discussion that we need to have more. And thank you for that. Really, thank And you I appreciate you guys. This has been awesome. Like, I get to vent all my fears. <laughs> I get to rant over and over again about the stuff I'm annoyed about. Too. It's a very confusing market, but, you know, there's always hope. And then some new innovation happens and... Everything well, is back. We, know, we could keep talking more and more, and I, and I really do want to, but we got to go to our next stuff. Uh, okay. Lightning round questions. All okay. right. I'll go first. Given enterprises have their own data, do you feel eventually enterprises will train and manage their own enterprise LLMs? Uh, that is all already happening. Uh, I think they will be more um, specific and smaller, but it doesn't exclude the use of larger general LLMs in parallel. Both is my answer. Okay. So um, second question. With all this power, like now kind of moving to the enterprise, because uh, they have the data. Um, do you see that investments, in, you know, the money, the budgets at enterprises going into data as a percentage is going to increase? Is data going to increase as a percentage investment for companies? I mean, I I wanted to, like I, I really wanted to, but I, I'm not sure, you know, when you work inside an enterprise that you have the external perspective. Yeah. Like we, we have this executive advisory board for enterprises that gives them a little bit Silicon Valley external <laughs> perspective maybe. Uh, or internal Silicon Valley perspective, if nothing else. Uh, I think it's hard to look at yourself from the outside and know what you have. Uh, so I'm not sure it's going to happen overnight, but I hope, I hope so. Like data, their own data is what they should, you know, consider as very, very high value. Yeah. I like your answer there. I, I want it to maybe I'll, I'll, I'll add to that and say like, it should, like if there's so much value we can get out of it, then it should. Yeah. But the question is, will it, right? All right. Next question. Uh, do you see the biggest opportunity for generative AI for enterprise around industry specific data and use cases, or will this be more horizontal and kind of broadly applicable use cases? So I think we touched on this really well, like, for the efficiency side of things, for individuals inside the enterprise, it will bring a lot of tremendous efficiency gains. But for transformative gains of like new revenue, mass shift in how you do business or whatever, it needs um, it needs to be in the other bucket. I think. I like I like how you categorize this: efficiency versus uh, transformational. Yeah, uh, gains. So efficiency more horizontal and individual for transformation more industry specific and enterprise. Yeah, I think that's a yeah. big takeaway from today. Yeah, that's a good distillation. All right, fourth and final lightning round question. Um, we we didn't end up touching on this too much in our discussion today, but you know, there's this whole movement and you know focus around uh, AI tooling and ML ops and you know ML pipelines and things <laughs> like that, right? 
Do you see strong opportunity for startups that are focused on that space? This was the other point that I dropped. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so you know, reinventing the wheel was one point. The other point was, so the the DevSecOps or like DevOps pipeline, how will that need to look different when data is involved? So I think there's, I mean, MLOps has been going on for 10 years. That, that was not new while I still worked at Cloudera, but it's like, I think with the new hype and more about trusting ML and, and, and accuracy of data coming into it and not sending out any random prompt, you know, there, there's AI safety that needs to be baked into the MLOps, whatever you put into that, but the data pipeline and the whole to productionize ML. Some of it has happened, but I think there's some new opportunity to rethink because enterprises want to trust it. Yeah, it's that trusted. And um, yeah, there is so much that we went through. Take away, <laughs> Tim. Tim, take us away with takeaways. All right, cool. I'll try to distill it quickly. Um, uh, Eva, this was awesome, amazing chat today. Mm -hmm. uh, we started off with, you know, honest, no BS. You know what? Uh, you know why is this a sucky year for startups and investment? <laughs> and so we kind of jumped into it, right? And you you kind of started off by giving us kind of your perspective on the sort of the macro environment and how you know there's like good things and bad things happening at the same time. It's very confusing, right? Like yes. there's indication that Q3 and beyond might get better some wallets are starting to open up uh you know the stock market is in general doing pretty decently tech startups have mostly rebounded but at the same time you've got you know enterprises holding their breath uh they're not sure exactly what's going to happen coming up it's an election year uh <laughs> difficult world situation a lot of conflicts going on right and then yet ai right hype promise excitement efficiency for everybody right everybody's got the you know it's like uh, everybody's popeye and they just ate spinach right that's what the what the uh, what the ai will do for you right so it's a very confusing time and uh, you also talked about how that's kind of impacting you know the world of startups and vcs because if enterprises are holding their breath then you know that's going to impact startups who are going to struggle more with their sort of growth and sales and of course that makes things difficult for investment uh, and you know vc and things like that because you know what you know where can they make bets that actually will have you know not not just you know a return on investment but a rapid return on investment so it's a it's a very different uh, time and you know gen ai kind of makes this all quite confusing because you know it's not new, as you noted, right? It's based on things, research that's been going on for over a decade. It's a natural evolution of machine learning. We probably even shouldn't call it like some new thing, like, you know, kudos to the person who was the marketer or whoever who said generative AI. Go to market. Like, oh my God, like great, you chose a great <laughs> phrase. Congratulations, right? But like, really, it's just machine learning. It's statistical models, you know, taken to the next level. Um, so, you know, you gave the analogy of Edison and how he created the light bulb, but, you know, he, he didn't really create the light bulb. He helped with the go to market and the democratization of the light bulb. So, um, you and know, the safety system, said. the safe, and how to make it yeah. safe, how to make it approachable, yeah. how to make it affordable, right? Yes. So there's there's a lot to that, and you know, ultimately, enterprises are just trying to avoid risk, uh, which is which is an important aspect and dimension here. But so much more. But Juan, over to you. What were your takeaways? Yeah. So Tim posed a very interesting question, which was where where is the hype warranted and the hope excessive? So that ended up to our large discussion here. So hype warranted. So this is where we go into like the efficiencies, right? Like th th this is where we really see how individuals can be much more efficient. Uh, use it for the right non-sensitive use cases. Triple check your work, like for summarizations. And, and, and what you highlighted here is that, hey, for startups, it's not worth getting to that efficiency game for an individual perspective, right? This is going to be like just for app developers, People, small consulting firms will get into that. So the opportunity here is in the enterprise. And you're talking about like, hey, this is what can help people to go for ideation, just really transform what the enterprise can do. Um, but there is one issue is that to be able to do, to do that transformative work, you really need to have the data. So the enterprises have the data, the startups don't have that data. And if they do something kind of in the industry for data, like that's still gonna be old because you need to really have the data for that enterprise. So what really here is what's presenting is an opportunity for the enterprises to really be uh, innovative. But 
are they nimble enough like startups? They're probably not. So how is this going to work out? So at the end of the day, enterprises have the advantage because they have the data. So they should, they will, they are, and they will be the ones innovating more than startups, which is kind of this new, brand new situation because then you're not going to have startups innovating as much because the enterprises are the ones who are going to have that advantage. However, to actually innovate, you need to have that strong foundation of data. What happens is that these company, large organizations, they don't even know what data they have, right? Every enterprise is messy. So we just had this whole discussion about how we, you really need to start investing in the foundations of data. Um, and then we had our, our very fascinating discussion between Evan and myself, where we had a disagreement on really where, how much are we reinventing the wheel and how much is actually needed or not. Uh, I think my, posi my position is that we don't need more technology. That's how I started. And Eva disagrees with that. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think where we agree is that uh, even though we the new, the new technology coming around, which may be seen as kind of reinventing the wheel, is always advancing things little by little, maybe not as much as we wanted to. And I think kind of where we were, or at least uh, or how I, where I do agree with that, but leaves me in a sad position is that we should be doing more and more on some stuff and less on some other things, but that's just me coming from my academic, uh, scientific point of view and uh, trying to be sometimes too idealistic. Uh, there, there's a lot of nuggets there, and I just want to have people know that they should just listen to our, our, our fantastic uh, discussion and disagreement, because at the end of the day, th this is how we, we need to have these civil uh, discussions. We need to be able to agree and be able to put our positions, and at the end, let that's how we advance. Uh, Ideally with a drink in hand. That makes it even better. <laughs> Ideally with people who are smart and entertaining. So, <laughs> kudos to you guys for hosting a wonderful podcast. Anything we missed uh, on takeaways? Uh, no, I think, you know, I want to I want to say like some app developers, consultants. I, I think there are going to be a couple of winners there on the Gen AI app side. It's more that I'm I'm not looking there. I'm looking at the transformative for industries to come. That's just a, that's a minor a afterthought, I guess. Different, yeah, different angle, different level. Yeah. So to, to wrap up, uh, three questions. What's your advice? Who should invite next? And what resources do you follow? My advice to whom? To you. To, to, to start whatever you want, whatever you want, whoever you want about data, to, to about Lynn and, and Andres and all the listeners. <laughs> okay. In hard times, some of the best ideas and startups are born. And if you're in it already, like navigating hard times and and being resourceful is what what's gonna become you know the next level of entrepreneur leadership and it's only gonna give you better tools for the next game level so it's a shitty sorry sucky year uh that we're coming from but if you survived it uh pat yourself on the back it was not easy for anyone that is very good advice yeah, you see the the a lot of big innovations and in companies being built in times when they're hard. Exactly. Yep. Um, who should we invite next? I would say I'm like a, a fan of Denise Pearson, uh, the CMO of Snowflake, and she's been out and about lately. Maybe she's up for it. Um, I like her. She's she's cool. <laughs> That's a uh, part of the the the, the Swede, uh, right? Data. Uh, yeah, she's no. a fellow Swede, and uh, you know the Swedes are slowly taking over the world. Well, well actually, bit by so, data. So that we're like, we, we've had Emil, a friend for new from New York, and the podcast. Oh, yeah. uh, we've also had um, Eric Eric uh, Bernhardson uh, from Modal. He's also fellow Swede, right? You okay? So we need to get more. <laughs> well, I can I can call my uh, Swedish mafia. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, and then finally, uh, what resources do you follow? Uh, I know people, blogs, the conferences, magazines, uh, newsletters. Uh, 
I mean, I, I follow Alchemist and Pitchbook and all that, like for yeah. for my job. And then there's um, what's his name? I don't even remember. Michael something something. I can I can send it to you guys. You can post it somewhere, maybe. Uh, but you know, I listen. <laughs> you know what popped into my head? I listen to this Swedish podcast, like a Swedish radio podcast that is called the trend spotters and each week they get like to come up with a new possible trend they like find three data points to back it up and i think although it's an entertainment program about what's what's coming and you know there's been a lot of generative ai trend spotting in there it's it's opening my mind and i think this is like what i want to highlight with that resource is like i i tend to listen to other things outside my zone outside my area because that brings me the most new perspective on things once i read what i'm supposed to read so i i don't know my advice is like go listen to something else it's the cross pollination that matters wow that is good advice. It's easy to go into your one yeah, silo. Sometimes the best ideas come from <laughs> listen to like something yourself. you you're curious about, not your space, and then you get new ideas. That's mm -hmm. that's been my recipe. Like listening to um, like molecular biology development in the last ten years, kind of a podcast. I mean, it's not anything I'm interested investing in, but I learned a lot and that center of the brain where you feel the aha moments kind of triggers other parts that makes my job more exciting but also like maybe i see things differently at least that's what i believe yeah new connections get yeah like massage the curiosity part of your brain on a weekly basis that's what i mean i'm adding that to the advice here <laughs> Right there, massage your curiosity part of the brain. Have you massaged a part of your curiosity part of your brain today or this week? No. I mean, talking to you guys. <laughs> that was you. Phenomenal. Uh, what else did I do? I talked. I went and talked to a Stanford student, a young lady, a freshman, uh, whose dad wanted me to connect with her while she's here. It, not her dad. Uh, her uncle. Sorry. Um, and that was really exciting getting new generation perspective on things oh wow that was so valuable to me <laughs> that's another good tip, that's another good tip yeah <laughs> to see where, yeah. where's the future going right <laughs> should i ask her to come on this <laughs> no she would <laughs> Emma, this has been such a pleasure and i'm going back because i've just missed having just great conversations debate where we don't have to agree like this is super important I, that, that really that really just just fuels me up because uh, uh that's how we learn that's how we get our that's how we get out of our comfort zone well uh, i'm glad thank that, you that was a small tiny disagreement it was a small but that's the one i remember about this one uh, <laughs> i'm gonna post about this on linkedin everybody like you gotta watch this because we disagreed emma thank you thank you so much just quick reminder next week we have karen meppen who's a director at hakoda talking about data governance and now we're calling it AI governance and let's call them BS on all this stuff between governance and AI and all that stuff. So it'll be a fun one. Uh, and as always, uh, data world, thank you so much for letting us do this every week and happy Valentine's to everybody. And again, Eva, thank you so much. Thank you guys. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>